Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Hello, my brother Lo. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you guys. Joining me in segment number two, we've got Peter Apple aboard as he does great work over at Just Baseball. His podcast called Not Gambling Podcast Advice. It is a very good one as well as he does a great job looking at the game of baseball. I'm going to let him share in the final part of the interview in segment number two all the podcasts that he does because he's got like five of them. But he does an incredible job on so many different fronts taking a look at this great game. And we're going to be chatting with him about what he's made out of the New York teams thus far this season, trying to find a little bit of value for Tuesday and what has all been just profitable slash not profitable as well. We're going to be taking a look on the front of gauging overs as well because we saw a bunch of overs that hit early on during the season. We've been seeing a few more unders recently, so we're going to be talking about that and so much more with Peter in segment number two. Then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review. Since I do have to do this podcast to be up at midnight Pacific time, and with the Greg Peterson experience being from midnight to 3 Eastern, I do have to pre-record this before we know anything in terms of the four West Coast games involving the Giants, Mariners, Diamondbacks, and Angels being at home, but we did see some interesting baseball on Monday, so let's dive into that. Try to find some trends to try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Now, doing this before the Royals versus White Sox game is final, but I mean, unless if the White Sox are able to claw themselves out of an eight-run hole, we know how this turned out as the DK Nation write-up pick was the under in this game, and the Royals just put up an 8-spot in the 6th inning, so that completely toasted it. 12-4 to as I do this. The Royals are currently in the lead, as for Zach Granke, wasn't necessarily the world's greatest start for him. Four runs, three of which were earned, given up in 5 and 2 thirds innings. But the real takeaway here, 
Dylan Cease, his dominance has ceased to exist. Seven runs rendered in five innings and a lot of home run along the way as MJ Melendez got his fourth home run season for the White Sox. Gavin Cheats was able to get a home run off of Zach Greinke of his own in home run number four of the season, but now the White Sox bullpen is in there with Aaron Bummer, Jimmy Lambert combining to give up five runs in the sixth inning. So, yeah, that was relatively rough there. And it does appear as though the Royals are starting to get online a little bit more with regards to their offense and for the Chicago White Sox. Just see a bit of misery for them. Dilly dilly. The Detroit Tigers have all of a sudden put up runs as they have scored now at least four runs at all but one of their games here in the month of May. 6-2. They take down the Cleveland Guardians as you had home run number one for young Andy Abanez be a big difference maker in this one. He goes deep off of Eli Morgan as Danner Bibby not long for this game. Gives up four runs in three and two-thirds innings. Morgan gives up that home run in his inning of work and Xavion Curry gave up a run in two innings of work and Yadier Los Santos a scoreless inning. Nick Sandlin one and a third inning scoreless but Guardians offense continues to be rather anemic. One of nine with men in scoring position. As for the Tigers, solid from Joy Wentz as he goes five and two-thirds innings. He does allow a home run in this one as Jose Ramirez was able to get home run number four of the season, but bullpen from there did their part. Will Vest, Jason Foley, they combined for one and a third inning scoreless. Jason Shree, five outs out of the bullpen scoreless, and Alex Lang got the final out of the game to be able to get the job done there. The Tampa Bay Rays just continue to win. 29-7 and is the start for the Rays. Second best start through 36 games since really 1940. 3-0. They take down the Baltimore Orioles as for the race. Pair of home runs were able to be the difference maker as Josh Lowe gets his seventh home run season. That comes off the starter Kyle Gibson and then Keegan Aiken serves one up to Luke Rayleigh. His eighth home run of the season for Baltimore. Kyle Gibson gave a relatively solid start. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Brian Baker from there. A scoreless second. Keegan Aiken he gives up that home run over the course of his two innings. For the Orioles, they just come up snake eyes in this one. They leave nine men on base. Shane McClanahan was dominant. He goes for six scoreless settings from there. Colin Poucher, along with Jason Adam and Kevin Kelly. They all lend a scoreless setting. You had a good performance from the Pittsburgh Pirates, who, by the way, have now scored two runs or fewer in each out of their last eight games. They were on a seven-game losing streak, and they busted out with a 2-0 win over the Colorado Rockies. For the Rockies, just four hits in this one. Not a lot to them for them. Kyle Freeland, the tough luck loser here. He gives up two runs over the course of seven innings. He did allow a home run. It was number four of the season for Adolfo Castro, but that's about it for Mitch Keller. Complete game. Nine innings, gives up four hits, one walk, kept it clean for the Colorado Rockies. You had Daniel Barr come out of the bullpen for a scoreless inning, but just absolutely nothing to him for this Colorado Rockies team. The New York Yankees seem to have found a little bit of offense, and for the Oakland A's, their pitching just continues to be a train wreck. 7-2. The Yankees are able to get this one done as for former New York Yankee J.P. Sears, his welcome back to New York was a rude one, giving up five runs in five and a third innings, including a trio of home runs. For the Yankees, you had DJ LeMay, who get his fourth home run season, Glaber Torres his fifth, and Esvaldo Cabrera his second. And you know things are really bad when Aaron Hicks gets a home run. His first home run season, that comes off of Austin Brewer, who gave up two runs in one and two-thirds innings. You were able to get a scoreless outing from Sammy Long going a scoreless inning and. You've got Estereo Ruiz up to 17 stolen bases. That, I believe, leads the American League. But for the New York Yankees, Esther Cortez did his job, came out, 
Gave five innings, gave up two runs along the way, and then the bullpen, which is currently number one in the big leagues, they shut it down. Ian Hamilton, Ron Menadakio, both landed scoreless setting, and then Nick Ramirez. He was able to throw two scoreless settings of his own. This game is going into the top of the ninth inning, and we know how this one shook out. The Milwaukee Brewers are currently up by a count of 9-1 to one for the LA Dodgers. Tony Gonsolin gives up three unearned runs in six innings as it was hurt by a fielding error by Michael Bush. And then from there, the LA Dodgers bullpen lit this game on fire. Phil Bickford, the former Brewer, gives up four runs while getting just one out. And then Wander, I swear, oh, this guy sucks. He lived up to his name. I swear, oh, this guy sucks as he gave up a home run to William Thomas, his seventh home run of the season as he allows two runs in one and two-thirds innings. You did have Joey Weimer go deep off of Tony Gonsolin a little bit earlier in this game as well as third of the season in the curse of Sunday Night Baseball. So very strong as well as you had Elvis Piguero come in. One and third innings scoreless for the Brewers. Freddie Peralta, good start. Gives up one run in six innings, and it looks like it is going to be Bennett Sosa who's going to be looking to close this one out for the Milwaukee Brewers. Doing this as we're going to the bottom of the seventh in the Cardinals versus the Chicago Cubs game. Currently, the Cardinals are up by a count of two to one. They entered in this game 11 and 24. Miles Michaelis did not last long, but in four and a third innings, gave up just one run, punched out seven. From there, Genesis Cabrera along with Jordan Hicks have been able to piecemeal together two scoreless innings, and you saw for the Chicago Cubs. A not-so-bad outing for Marcus Roman. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Brad Boxberger, a squirrel setting of his own, but not a lot doing for the Chicago Cubs on offense. And like I said, on the West Coast games, we're going to have a little bit of cleanup to do for tomorrow. But if you're looking trend-wise at Major League Baseball, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the totals that we've been seeing with our good friend Peter Apple in segment number two. But as of right now, we have seen 254 overs, 247 unders, and I believe that we've had 20-plus pushes along the way as well. So we're seeing about 50.7% of games going over. Favorites may have been overall for the season relatively solid. 305 and 214 straight up. So winning at about a 58.9% clip. But among these favorites, they have been having a rough time on the run line as we have now seen... 79 different favorites win outright but not be able to cover the minus one and a half and in the last seven days favorites are currently 42 and 49 winning at a rate of about 46 percent and among those favorites you've had just 30 be able to cover the run line meanwhile in terms of totals we have seen 46 overs to 42 unders with two pushes along the way so that's what we're seeing in major league baseball right now and that's what we all got on Monday coming up next. We are going to be joined by Peter Apple. He does great work at Just Baseball, and we're going to be chatting with him about the New York teams. We're going to be taking a look at how to gauge totals. We're going to be taking a look at Tuesday's games and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show. It's myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Decent Family Podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. 
Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Peter Apple does a great job taking a look at the great game of baseball. He is the co-founder of the JustBB underscore media Twitter feed, which that is code for Just Baseball, which you're able to find at JustBaseball.com. He does an amazing job with his podcast as well, Not Gambling Advice, which you're able to follow at Gambling underscore Advices. This man does a great job taking a look at the great game of baseball. I know that he and Tucker Davidson have been doing a podcast as well, so this is a man that does a whole lot when it comes to the great game of baseball. Those are interested in football as well. does a great job once that season gets started as well, and you're able to follow Peter Apple on Twitter, at Peter Apple, that last name is both A-P-P-E-L and then the number 23 altogether. And Peter, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thanks so much, Greg. Good to be back on. I know I was on last season. We had some success, and I'm excited for it to go further. Absolutely. And speaking of success, what has been really working out for you with regards to this MLB season? Because totals have been a little bit topsy-turvy. We're very good to the over first few weeks of the season. Things have really ironed out ever since then. We've had some very hot pitchers. We've had some not so hot pitchers. So what have you all been utilizing that has been allowing you to get to the window thus far this season? Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned early overs. And this is also um, up until a couple of days ago. I'm not sure if this stat still holds, but I know it did at least a few days ago that underdogs were off to the worst start in 15 years. In the last 15 years, underdogs are really off to a bad start. Unders are also off to a very bad start compared to normal which is tough because I'm normally an underdog better in MLB. I love betting on a good under. I target pitchers I like. So it's been a little bit up and down. We're still positive on the year. You know, I track all my plays, make sure to be as transparent as possible. So we're still positive, but it hasn't been the start like we did last year. But again, Greg, as you know, as well as anyone, it's about adjusting to the new rules because that's a big part of this too, right? No shift, a lot more blue pits. Right, Guys are still in the same positions as they were back in the 1970s. There's no second baseman playing a short right field or anything like that. So we're adjusting. You know, My model is adjusting, and over the past couple of days, we've been better, and hopefully we get to keep up that momentum. But yeah, it's been a little of a tough adjustment, but as we continue through the season, I only project it getting better and better. Yeah, I think that it's going to be really interesting to take a look at these totals because I do think that something has happened with the ball this year. If you take a look through the first 400 and some odd games of the season, home runs are up about 20% thus far this season. And I don't think it's due to a shift or anything like that. I do think that weather has had a little bit to do with it because it certainly has been a little bit warmer in just the entirety of the country this year than it was at this point last season. So I do think that it is a little bit of a chess game trying to figure this out. And I think the biggest thing is taking a look at the number itself, because at this time last year, we were noticing a lot of seven, seven halves, what have you. And those have just not been there this year. No, absolutely not. And, you know, it's funny. There was one seven and a half as we're speaking right now on Monday, May 8th. I saw, I think, maybe one seven and a half in the market today, and it was in Tigers versus Guardians. These low totals that were normally cashing a ton 
They just haven't been there so far this season. And now, of course, it's the third inning. You never know with the total. It might still go under. But you're totally right. You know, a lot of these big-time pitching matchups, the total is still at eight or even eight and a half, and it's still going over. So it's been a wild ride of a baseball season. But that's the best part about baseball. You have all the data, and you just have to adjust. Absolutely. As you're joining me on the podcast, we do have Peter Apple. He does amazing work with not gambling advice. He does an amazing job just taking a look at the great game of baseball. And, Peter, what has been very interesting and something that we do need to adjust to, the fact that the New York Yankees have just not been able to find it on offense. Now, that could easily change in this series. We're doing this just before their Monday game against the Oakland A's, and well, the Oakland A's have by far the worst ERA in the big leagues. As a matter of fact, going into Monday, a full point and a half worse than any other team in the big leagues. But what have you just made out of this Yankees team thus far this season? Because I've honestly been impressed by pitchers not named Clark Schmidt on the roster, along Clay Holmes as well. He's been a little bit rough, but as that pitching has been good, but the team is banged up with their lineup, and they just have not been able to generate runs. Absolutely. How about the fact that the Oakland A's have scored 137 runs this season and the Yankees have scored 140? You do not want to be in the same category as the Oakland A's, those 8-27 and 27 A's. Now, the Yankees are 18-17 and 17 because their pitching has been solid. When we look at runs allowed in the American League East, they're well below uh, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, And the Red Sox, of course, nobody can touch the Tampa Bay Rays right now. Garrett Cole has been amazing. Nestor Cortez Jr. has been solid. But the name of the game is what's been the name of the game for the past decade, it seems. It's injuries. It's Carlos Rodon. And we're even getting worse news that on Talking Baseball, they said an unverified source, which is, of course, unverified, said that Rodon may not pitch all this year, right? He's got back problems, which is a huge blow. Luis Severino is still on the field. I could go through all the injuries in the bullpen. We'd be on here for another 45 minutes going through all those. But then even Aaron Judge has been on and off the field. You know, they're trying out Anthony Volpe in the leadoff role, who's getting better and better by the day. But overall, this Yankee offense has not gotten going, and the pitching hasn't been so dominant outside of Garrett Cole to bail them out of wins. You know, even a guy like Domingo Herman has been good in spots. Then he has a blow-up. Johnny Brito, good in spots. Then he has a blow-up. It's just been a very up-and-down year, so I think it makes sense why they're 18-17. and 17. They show off what they have in wins, and then they have some really bad losses. It's just been a very inconsistent year so far in the Bronx. Yeah, it's been a very inconsistent year for them as they just have not been able to have a lot of their key pieces out there on the field. It started with John Carlos Sin, now Aaron Judge being on the injured list. That has been rough, but to your point, pitching thus far has been solid. Whether or not we see anything out of Carlos Rodon, though, that is a big, giant question mark. But I will say, it feels like things are going a little bit better for them than it is the New York Mets. And if the Mets are going to be able to make a little bit of a run this season, I really think they're going to need a lot out of Max Scherzer, a couple with Justin Verlander, a pair of guys that... We're going to be seeing on the bump in the next few days. But what have you made on the Mets start to the season? Because I think theirs is a little bit more concerning because you can blame the injuries, in my opinion, a little bit less on the Mets. It just feels like at this point they sort of are what they are. And losing a home series to Colorado Rockies like they did over the weekend is a very bad look. It's a very bad look. And I think it's, I'll run you through a quick exercise, Greg. Looking at who leads the Mets in innings pitched, I think kind of explains their season. So number one on the Mets in innings pitched is Tyler McGill. 
who has a 4.33 ERA, who is projected into this season as maybe the Mets' sixth starter, fill-in guy, but would make an impact in the rotation, but not lead them in innings upwards of May 8th, May 9th. Then number two is Kodai Senga, who was their new addition, came over from the MPB, and has been pretty solid. The command has been a little bit off. He's also had some very easy matchups. You go through his schedule. 3-3-8 ERA, that's fine. But again, I want to see him against some better competition. Number three in innings is David Peterson, who has a 7.34 ERA. Max Scherzer, who is fourth in innings, who of course had that uh, suspension for the sticky stuff. And then number five is Joey Lucchese. So if you look at their five pitchers who lead them in innings, three of them weren't projected to be mainstays in the rotation. So I look at a Mets team that isn't really hitting, like they're hitting enough to get by, but they don't look like that explosive Mets offense that we're used to. A guy like Starling Marte doesn't look anything like he did last year. Lindor's off to a slower start. Pete Alonso, the home runs are there, but those RBIs, they haven't been accumulating like they normally do. Brandon Nimmo's been very good, but that's about it on offense. But it's really the pitching, right? Because they've scored 150 runs. They're scoring, you know, above average, but it's the pitching, right? They're not really getting much from the bullpen. Starting pitching has not been good. It's a little bit different from the Yankees, but it's still not very good. And I would argue it's been worse than the Yankees, but I even think a 17 and 18 record, I would even argue that they're getting lucky up to this point. Yeah, it's been so interesting to dive into the New York Mets because to your point, the hitting has not really been there. The bullpen pitching has honestly been one of their bigger strengths, and that's without Edwin Diaz, which I find that to be very ironic. But, man, it has been up and down for them. And right now, as we're taking a look at this, joining me on the podcast, we do have Peter Peter Apple who does a great job over at Just Baseball. The New York Mets are minus 215 to minus 220 favorites against Reds. Now, the Reds are going to be at home with Luke Weaver pitching, and Luke Weaver just has not been able to find it really since the 2019 season, but I just can't make the Mets $2 favorites on the road in darn near any circumstance in which you're not playing against the Oakland A's. I'm not sure what your thoughts are right now about the New York Mets, but they just feel to be overvalued in this spot. Not that I think that the Reds win this game north of 50% of the time or anything like that, but it feels like the market just is not caught up to the Mets, and just the aging Max Scherzer along Justin Verlander. Yeah, I mean, I make this line around minus 150, so I give the Mets about a 60% chance of winning this game. So I would agree with you, very overvalued. So maybe it's worth a play on the Reds, but the problem is Luke Weaver does have strikeout stuff, but the Mets historically kill righties like this. And in great American ballpark, those bats should come to play. And you do have Max Scherzer on the mound against a Reds team, that has really struggled against right-handed pitching all season. So I totally agree with what you were saying. The Mets are overvalued in the spot. But with that said, that doesn't make me want to go jump on the Cincinnati Reds on the money line. I'm almost thinking a Mets team total over might be the play. Just stick, you know, stay away from whatever you might get from Scherzer. Stay away from what you might get with the bullpen. But in a great ballpark for hitting where the Mets do match up well against Weaver, Maybe a Mets team total over is in the cards, but more likely than not, I'm just staying away from this game. Just trying to bring you a play that I think would make sense. But other than that, I probably won't end up touching this game at all. Yeah, I made this line minus 158 personally as well. So I do agree with you. I do think that the Mets, I mean, they should be the favorite in this spot. I think that they're just getting a little bit overvalued. And when it comes to the board for Tuesday, we've got every single team that is going to be in action. And 
One thing that has been very popular over the last few years has been the fate of Patrick Corbin, the good old turkey tosser himself who finds himself right around about a $2 or so underdog against the San Francisco Giants with Logan Webb on the mound. And Webb has always been so much better in San Francisco than he has been on the road. But what are your thoughts, just both on this Washington National team who haven't, in my opinion, been as bad as I was expecting them to be, and to just this game in general, because with the San Francisco Giants, They've been a team that I was expecting a little bit more from. Not that I thought they were going to be great or anything, but been a rough start to the season for them, too. Yeah, I think the under is a decent play here um, because the Giants, they've really struggled against left-handed pitching, and I know it's very uncomfortable to take an under when Patrick Corbin has been on the mound. But, Greg, I think we got to give Patrick Corbin a little bit of credit. Not a lot of credit, but just a little bit of credit because the left-hander who was – You know, once a 2019 World Series champion, I know he's really fallen off the cliff. But 5-1-7 ERA, it's not great, but I feel like at this point in Patrick Corbin's career, you'd expect that number to be 7 or in the 6s like it was last year. But against a Giants team who really struggles against lefties and Logan Webb, who is an absolute stud. The problem with the under is I don't really want to deal with the bullpens because the Nationals bullpen is very prone to being blown up. And their offense is good, but against a guy like Webb who keeps the ball on the ground against this young team, I don't think they'll be able to adjust. I know it's crazy, but sometimes crazy works in baseball. It won't be one of my plays, but since you bring it up, I think the first five under could be a decent look in this matchup. I think that that is a good look as well because in San Francisco, so pitcher-friendly. And this is a Giants team that has really relied upon the home run ball. If you look at them on the road, they're averaging more than two home runs per game at home that falls way down just because Giant Nate went out in San Francisco. Not easy, especially in the nighttime, which this is going to be a nighttime game as well. So I do think that that's a good look there. And when it comes to the board for Tuesday, are there any games that are really compelling that – you take a look at you find a little bit of value on because I do think that this has been a baseball season which I've been finding quite a bit of value with regards to openers but these seem to be the tightest lines for Tuesday that I've really found all season long I think that bookmakers have done a good job of reining things in I agree I only the play that I show the most value on in my model is this over eight runs in Phillies versus Blue Jays right We got two really good offenses, but you see the names on the mound. It's Alec Manoa and it's Aaron Nola, who have both struggled to start the year. You look at Alec Manoa, whose ERA is fine. It's still not great, but his ex-ERA is a good amount higher. Aaron Nola is also a guy who's gone off to a rough start. again. And against this Blue Jays offense, you don't want to get them hot, and they are certainly hot right now. But at the same time, I think the Phillies' bats are going to be able to get to Alec Manoa. You consider Citizens Bank Park plays towards the hitters as well. We're starting to get into the May months. Of course, I don't have the weather with me right now, but I'm projecting that the weather will look pretty sunny out there in Citizens Bank in Philadelphia. And I don't, I'm not a huge believer in the Phillies' bullpen. I think there's stuff over, over quality. I think they have some good arms, but they're prone to blowups. The Blue Jays' bullpen is good, not great. I think that this over eight runs in Phillies versus Blue Jays, while the starting pitching matchup looks good by the names, I don't know how they'll perform. So that's a bet that, of course, I haven't placed yet. I want to see how this series, um, how the weather looks at Citizens Bank. But that's a bet that I'm currently showing value on, and I think I might jump on it if the weather looks good in Philly. 
I do think that there is going to be a little bit of value there, especially with Alec Manoa just not looking like himself right now. And Aaron Nola has always pitched better at home than on the road, but the Philadelphia Phillies bullpen, aside from Jose Alvarado, I'll give Jose Alvarado a little bit of credit. He's been terrific. And I do take a look at this line as well, and it is one that stands out to me as we do have Peter Apple, who does great work at Just Baseball, joining me on the podcast. Feels like we're getting the raise on the cheap on a Tuesday as of right now. Now, I would say bet this early because the Rays have been getting seemed high noon all season long. But right now, finding Zach Keflin on the mound for the Rays against Grace Rodriguez of Baltimore between about a minus 120 to a minus 125 favorite. Not sure what your thoughts are on this one, but with the way that the Tampa Bay Rays have been rolling, and I think Grace Rodriguez is going to be really good in two years, but right now he does have some command issues. I think that this is a really good spot if you want to roll with the Tampa Bay Rays who have been just cashing left and right all season long. Yeah, I don't mind the spot for the Rays. My model currently has the line at basically what it is, not really showing value on either side. What it is showing a little bit of value on, or at least um, I have it projected around 7.8 runs, is this under 8.5, which is, of course, very challenging because both of these offenses have been so electric, and the Rays are going to go up against Grayson Rodriguez, which is going to be his toughest test of the season. But Zach Eflin has been very good this season. I'm a big fan of both bullpens. So while runs may come early, maybe it's 2-2 two to two going into the fifth inning, I think the bullpens can shut these offenses down enough for it actually go under the total of 8.5. It's just, it's, it's some value. It's not a lot. I would have to do a little bit more digging in. But in terms of the money line, my model thinks it's pretty spot on, at least the line that we see right now. But it's showing the most value on the under, which I find pretty interesting because my model has been on these raise unders and I have been not following my model because I don't really trust it. And what I'm seeing is that the Rays just score eight runs on their own. So my model is showing a little bit of value on the under, but I am being very cautious about that. I'll have to do a little bit more research into it, but I can see what the model is saying. To your point, it's been absolutely ridiculous to take a look at this Rays offense. A team that was 25th in the league in home runs last season is averaging more than seven runs per game on the road thus far this season. 7.15 going into Monday. So they have been terrific at Zach Eflin. He's made five starts for the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Rays have won all five thus far this season. So we will see if that continues, but... What always continues is the great insights from you, Peter. I know you do a lot of different podcasts. I know you do a lot of different shows, and you do an amazing job taking a look at baseball. And when it's in season, football as well. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Absolutely, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on. So, yeah, I'm the host of multiple podcasts. Uh, the big one where it's it's uh, absolutely no gambling. It's more just baseball. It's called the Just Baseball Show. We have Dodgers right-handed pitcher Walker Bueller on every single Monday. And we just talk the great game of baseball, like Greg likes to say. And then, of course, my gambling part, I do a Twitch stream every Monday through Friday, 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern on the Just Baseball Twitch network, as well as host a daily podcast called Not Gambling Advice, where we've had Greg on before, and we love to talk football and baseball on that. That's where I do all my picks. And, of course, I write up a daily article on JustBaseball.com going over all of my picks. And then on Twitter, my at is at PeterApple23, where you can find all the rest of what I do, spelled A-P-P-E-L, not like the fruit, as I like to say. But 
Greg, really appreciate you having me on. Love talking baseball with you and just really appreciate it, my man. Absolutely. And Peter, he knows his stuff when it comes to baseball. He is dialed in, taking a look at this grind every single day. And whenever he joins this podcast, I feel like we always get a little bit smarter. Peter does a great job with all of his podcasts, all of his shows, and it was great to be able to get him on today. Big thanks to Peter Apple for joining me on the Baseball Wedding Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast. They give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast 
NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get the host of Not Gambling Advice, Peter Apple, aboard. He does great work 
over at Just Baseball. I know that he has a lot of different podcasts, a lot of different shows that he does, and every single time he joins this podcast, I feel like we gain a little bit more insights into the great game of baseball. So a big thanks to Peter for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at gnet underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas station order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They're on the road. They're facing off against the Pittsburgh Pirates as Luis Ortiz goes for the Buccos, and Connor Siebold is on the bump for Colorado. And Colorado is between a plus 140 and a plus 150 underdog. Meanwhile, with the Buccos, you're getting them between minus 158 and minus 170. Eight to nine is the total on the nine. Under is minus 120. The over is even on the eight Over is minus 120. The under it is even. I did set my total at an 8.7. So this is a spot where I would personally rather have the nine under rather than an eight over. I recognize that we're dealing with a pair of well, a little bit more unknown pitchers. But with the Pittsburgh Pirates, they did enter into Monday having scored two runs or fewer in seven straight games and. They're going up against someone in Connor Seabold who's been less than impressive during his career. He's got an ERA that is well north of five throughout the entirety of his big league career. He's made just one start this far this season, though. I will say that start against the Milwaukee Brewers at Coors Field. Gave up three runs over the course of five innings. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. And now he's going up against the Buccos bunch. And they just had a tough time being able to move the line. I do think that the injury to O'Neill Cruz is starting to take hold a little bit more for this bunch. But you still do have Brian Reynolds, who's hitting about a 300 for the team. Connor Joe has been able to make things a go as he actually began his career with the Colorado Rockies hitting about 275. But we are noticing those guys that got off to a great start to the season, like a Jack Swiniski. He's hitting now more like a 235-ish. He's still been able to give the team seven home runs this season, but those power bats, they're starting to go down a little bit. Jay Wan Bay has not been seen in quite a while for the Colorado Rockies. Since beginning part of the 2022 season, this team is only averaging about 3.15 runs per game on the road. And as a fierce in all baseball, getting back Randall Gritchick has been good for this team. And Chris Bryant sitting above a 300 loss Elias Diaz. But this team just doesn't generate a lot of power when they are on the road as well, which I do think is going to be a little bit of an issue. Going into yesterday, in 19 road games, just 15 home runs. CJ Crone has four of those. And... Most of those came in the first series or two of the season. And I will say, for the Colorado Rockies, one thing that has been helping them out, the bullpen has been better this year. They signed Brad Hand. He's been able to give you about a 350 or so ERA. Brent Suter has been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. But you do have your trepidation with Connor Siebold really being able to give you too much of anything because he has been always someone that has had a difficult time being able to get too many swings and misses, 14 punch-outs in 18 and two-thirds innings this far this season. Hasn't given out a lot of walks, but just not a guy that is going to be able to really blow you away. And then for Luis Ortiz, someone that spent last year with the Cincinnati Reds and has always been someone that has been able to give you multiple innings, but I never really viewed him too much as a starter, so I think that this is going to be very fascinating to see how he's going to be able to work his way into the starting lineup and just be able to deliver as command has been a little bit of an issue, but he is backed up by a Pittsburgh Pirates bullpen that entered into Monday between 7th and 8th in the big leagues in terms of ERA. Chase DeYoung is back off the injured list. He's able to give you multiple innings. You've been able 
able to get some really good innings as well out of Jose Hernandez that entered into Monday with a buck 84 ERA. Dwayne Underwood Jr. is able to serve multiple innings. He's been able to supply a 230 ERA. David Benner has been amazing in the bullpen as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a slog for both teams to score. Starters, not necessarily trustworthy. They are backed up by some relatively solid arms, though, and both of these offenses have had a tough time scoring. So, somebody tell it at 8.7. I would rather have a 9 under rather than an 8.5 over personally. And with the Pirates run line, finding that right around about a plus 125 or so, that's where I'm going to be looking on this because with the Colorado Rockies, I need at least a plus 152 there. So, at current numbers, looking at that Pirates run line, and I'm going to be taking a look at the 9 under as well. 9.53, 9.54 on the betting board. It is the New York Mets. And third faceoff against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on a Cincinnati, and they're on to Luke Weaver getting the start for them. And Mad Max Scherzer is on the bump for the Mets. Mets are between minus $2 and minus $2.20 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 175 and plus 185 is the number on Cincinnati, with 9 being the total. The over is minus 120, and the under is even. Needed at least a plus 159 to take a shot on the Reds, and we have certainly cleared that. So I am going to be taking a look at Cincinnati. We were mentioning it with Peter Apple. Just the fact that with the New York Mets, it feels like they're relying upon too many aging starters. And for Max Scherzer, he just does not look like himself. He's given up three plus runs in three out of his five starts this far this season. Has allowed five home runs across his last four starts. As a matter of fact, he's given up six home runs in 22 and two-thirds innings this far this season. His strikeouts per nine rate is below nine right now. His walks have been going up. Max Scherzer has been a very good pitcher for a very long time, but I think the father time has caught up with him, and this is just a Mets team in general that I think is overvalued. Do I think that they're better than the Cincinnati Reds? Yes. Do I think that they're better than the Cincinnati Reds by this much? No, as you just take a look at this Mets lineup, got a lot of guys that are hitting below a 225 right now, as you've got Francisco Lindor, Mark Hanna, Tommy Pham, really the entirety of the catcher spot, Sands, Omir, Nervais, Lanth, Eduardo Escobar, all in that full Pete Alonso has been incredible at being able to supply the deep ball, 11 home runs thus far this season, but... Even Pete Alonso starting to go a little bit dry as he hit just one home run over the last 15 days as well and has led to a little bit of a demise for the New York Mets. Meanwhile, for the Cincinnati Reds, they are dealing with a little bit of an injury to Jake Fraley that hurts their offense a little bit. And this is a Reds team that's looking to just do a little bit more in terms of moving the line. 27 home runs in 34 games this far this season. They did not return a single player that had north of 12 home runs this season. And you've only got one guy with north of three home runs right now, and they've been able to get four out of Spencer Steer, so that's their one guy, but you do have guys that are able to get on base in general for this team. TJ Friedel has been able to hit above a 300 along Jonathan India. You've got Steer, I mentioned, he, Nick Senzel, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 255 to a 260. Tyler Stevenson is providing about a 345 on base, and as strange as it is, for the New York Mets, one of the fortes of this team thus far this season has been their bullpen. Despite the fact that Edwin Diaz is out for the season, they have been able to get some good innings out of the likes of David Robertson and company. This is a New York Mets team that right now they're ranked right around 18th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And the Reds are currently clocking in 14th, but these two teams are separated by about .24 points in terms of their bullpen ERAs. For the Mets, Adam Adovino has been relatively solid. We've seen Tommy Hunter not necessarily be able to do his part, but I do like what Drew Smith is able to bring to the table as well. He's been able to supply a sub-2-3 ERA, and for the Reds, Alexis Diaz has been really one of the best relievers in all of baseball over the last two seasons as he has provided a sub-2-3 
220 ERA over the last two years. He's been able to get some good innings as well out of Ian Gabo, Alex Young, throwing their Buck Farmer surprisingly as well. All these guys supplying a sub 3-3 ERA thus far this season now. Luke Weaver has not been good to say the least. A 7.88 ERA, giving up five home runs in 16 innings. Crosses three starts thus far this season, giving up four plus runs in every one of them. And he plays in a very hitter-friendly ballpark to say the least in Cincinnati. But with the way that the Mets have been struggling a little bit, I do think that this is a little bit too lofty of a number. And I do think that runs are going to be plentiful. I think that Luke Weaver is going to be giving up his runs, but I think that Max Scherzer gives up quite a few as well. Semi-total at 9.4. So here tonight, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And with the Reds, plus 160 or greater, going to be one to dive in on their money line. 9.55, 9.56 on the betting board. It is the LA Dodgers on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Eric Lauer goes for the crew and... North or Syndergaard is on the bump for the Dodgers. And the Dodgers, they are anywhere between minus 110 to minus 120 favorites. Meanwhile, with the Brewers, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 105 and minus 110, with 9 being the total overs between minus 115 to a minus 120. The under, that is anywhere between even and minus 105. And with the Brewers, I did set them as a favorite of minus 107. Eric Lauer has had a surprising amount of success against the LA Dodgers, and no Thor Syndergaard just has not been good thus far this season. As for Syndergaard, he figured year number two coming off of Tommy John surgery that the strikeout numbers would be up, and I mean, they're up a little bit from last year where he had six punch outs per nine innings, but I mean, 21 strikeouts at 31 and a third innings, still not impressive. 6-3-2 ERA, and he's just been generally giving up a bunch of contact. Opponents are in a 3-0-8 off of him. In his two road starts, he's given up 13 runs at eight innings thus far this season. Meanwhile, for Eric Lauer, once again, I just do not understand it, but every single time this guy goes up against the LA Dodgers, he has been complete magic. He went up against them two times last year, and he gave up two runs in those two starts. Season before that was a little bit more touch and go. He gave up five runs across ten innings in those two starts, but you just take a look at him overall for his career, even back when he was with the San Diego Padres during like the 2018-2019 campaigns, and he's always been able to do a relatively solid job against the... LA Dodgers and for Eric Lauer he's a significantly better home pitcher than a road pitcher. Now this year that has yet to show through because he's had two home starts and he just got completely lit ablaze in one of those starts in which he got tattooed by the St. Louis Cardinals giving up six runs over the course of four innings so a little bit less than savory there but you go back to his 2022 numbers 256 home ERA compared to a 476 ERA on the road much of it is because he has been a little bit the hard contact in Miller Park and for the Brewers, they back him up with a better bullpen. The LA Dodgers last year, they had the number one bullpen ERA in the National League. They entered into the series 20th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And the Brewers, they're just 12th, but with the Milwaukee Brewers, if you take out of the full the nine spot that they gave up in the eighth inning against the Boston Red Sox about two weeks ago, and then last week against the Colorado Rockies, they just had one really bad collapse. I think it was on their game on Thursday. And other than that, this has been a top five bullpen in terms of ERA. Peter Strzelecki has been able to do a relatively solid job. Joe Piamps has a sub-3 ERA. Hobie Milner, he's just that unorthodox guy that's able to give you a few good innings out of the bullpen. Elvis Piguero has been able to take some strides forward to help out with Devin Williams. And for the LA Dodgers, Alex Vesia was very good for them last season. Currently not on the roster this year. Now, I like what they've been able to get out of Victor Gonzalez. He has yet to give up a run in Bursarder Greiderall. It's been relatively solid, but Yancey Almonte has been terrible. And I just still don't understand 
why they signed Wander Iswero. This guy sucks. I mean, he's Wander Iswero. This guy sucks. So it makes no sense whatsoever. But with the LA Dodgers, what you do know is that this team is going to supply some pop in the lineup as they are currently number one in the National League in both runs per game and total home runs. Max Muncy currently leading the league in terms of home runs, hitting just a 218 entering into yesterday. But 12 home runs, you're going to take that all day long has been a Dodgers team that, in general, has been having a tough time being able to have guys that are able to move the line. As you've got David Peralta, Miguel Rojas, Austin Barnes. These are guys hitting a 225 or lower. They are getting back Will Smith, and he hits about a 300. Freddie Freeman has been able to get on base. Mookie Betts, he had that big home run against Josh Hader. But, yeah, it's been a Dodgers team that has been a little bit all or nothing at the plate in that they had a bunch of home runs, but they also have not been able to put the ball in play a ton as well. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, just have a lot of guys between a 315 and a 335-ish on base. Bryce Terang, Willie Adamas, Rowdy Tellez, throwing there Brian Anderson, Christian Yelich, all these guys sort of in that fold now. For Rowdy Tellez, he has been able to give the team nine home runs as far this season, and the loss of Garrett Mitchell has been earning the team, but team has been able to mix a match with William Contreras at the catcher spot, being relatively solid for the team as well, but I do think that the Brewers have a little bit of better bullpen. Noah Thor Syndergaard just has not looked like himself this far this season, but I did set my total here at a 9.3. A here at a 9, I'm going to be willing to take a look at the over with the Dodgers. I do think that they're going to be able to scratch across a few runs on Lauer, and Noah Thor Syndergaard just has not been good in general all this bullpen has not been good. So looking to take the Milwaukee Brewers at a plus number, seeing them at most places right around plus 105 at this point. And I'm going to be taking a look at the 9 over, 957, 958 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs. Play playoffs to the St. Louis Cardinals. Captain Jack Flaherty is going to be on the bump for the Cards. And Jameis Dion is on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs between minus 120 to a minus 128 favorite between even money and plus 113 is your number on St. Louis. Currently, we have no numbers up in terms of a total. This is going to be decided by the Wrigley Field wind. And if you take a look at the wind situation for Wrigley on Tuesday, it shouldn't really come into play too much. It looks to be blowing in, but at first pitch, it's going to be blowing in at about five or so miles per hour. So it has a little bit of an impact, but nothing that is going to be overly demonstrative. And with the way that Jack Flaherty gives out walks, you know what? That's probably not going to be what really makes or breaks him. So this is a troll that he said at an 8.1 and 8 or less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over and 8.5 higher to the under. And I just mentioned it with Captain Jack Flaherty. The fact that this guy has currently absolutely no command whatsoever. 629 ERA. He is giving up north of five and a half walks per nine innings. The swing and miss stuff is there. He's been able to get right around 9.3, 9.4 strikeouts per nine innings. And honestly, he's been better on the road than he has been at home. 945 home ERA, 429 ERA on the road. But I mean, even still, a 429 ERA on the road. Not necessarily too terrific. And for Jameis to tie on, it's the opposite. Four walks and 17 innings. Command has been there. He's actually been able to get quite a few swings and misses. He just gives up a lot of contact in general. We noticed that when he was with the New York Yankees last season, and he's currently got a 7 ERA at home, so I do think that both of these guys are going to be falling a little bit of victim to a Wrigley Field, and both of these teams are able to hit. Among players with at least 45 at-bats on the Chicago Cubs, the only guy that is currently hitting below a 250 at the very least coming into the day on Monday for this team, that'd be Patrick Wisdom, and Patrick Wisdom is the main home run man with 11 bombs entering into the day, so all these guys have been able to do a solid job moving the line. You've got Nico Horner, Cody Bellinger, Ian Happ, Jan Gomes all entering into the series. 
making at least a 290. And then you got the young guy in Matt Mervis, who I do think is going to be able to provide quite a bit for the Chicago Cubs moving forward. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, the offense has not really been the issue for this team. They're inning as a collective 259. I don't understand why they sent Jordan Walker down to the minor leagues, but you know what? you got a lot of guys that they are able to get on base for the team. Juan Yepes is starting to see more at-bats. He's always a guy that I've liked. He's been hitting nearly a 300 this far this season. You've got Wilson Contreras, who apparently they might be moving to LPO. Brandon Donovan, these guys are in between about 265 to 270. They haven't been able to come up with a lot of power. Nolan Gorman, Paul Goldschmidt, they both entered into Monday with seven home runs apiece. And Goldschmidt entered into Monday hitting a 321. But Nolan Arenado, not holding up his end of the bargain. Three home runs hitting a 232. That's unacceptable. Alec Burleson probably should have been sent down to the minors rather than our good friend and Jordan Walker. Three home runs hitting a 220 going into Monday. But by and large, this Cardinals lineup is just fine. And both of these bullpens are not great. Both of these bullpens are not terrible either. Ryan Elsley just has not necessarily looked like his all-star self ever since the back half of the 2022 season. He's had some issues towards the back half of games. It's a big reason why the Cardinals are currently 17th in the league in terms of bullpen area, but Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. Jojo Romero starting to fall back to earth a little bit. Chris Rain, though, he's been able to provide right around about a 3-2 ERA. And then for the Chicago Cubs, they picked up Brad Boxberger, Michael Fulmer in the offseason. Fulmer has been bad, north of a 5 ERA but been able to get some good production out of Mark Leiter Jr. You want to be staying away from Julia Merriweather at all costs, but Keegan Thompson, he's been able to be a good long guy as well. For James Tyan, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be too long for the start as he's made four starts. He's won a combined 17 innings, so you might be utilizing a guy like Thompson, and if so, I think that you've got good value with the Chicago Cubs. I did set the Cubs on the money line at a minus 136, so we're going to be taking a look at the Chicago Cubs up to a minus 135, and then, like I said, with the total, Andrew Luss looking at the over 8.5 prior to the under 959.960 on the betting board, the Miami Marlins at the road face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. As Jesus Cesardo is going to be going for the Miami Marlins, and Brandon Fott is on the bump for the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks between minus 110 to a minus 120 favorite. Between minus 110 and plus 105 is your number on Miami. Nine is the total. Over is minus 120 and the under is even. Did semi total at an 8.7. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under with Asa Lozardo. Last season, he had an ERA that was right around a 440 at home compared to a 265 on the road. And with Lozardo as well, what I like about him is that he's been able to keep the walks a little bit lower this year. He's always been someone that has been giving out a little bit north of 3.3 walks per nine innings, 14 walks and 39 and a third. Command has been just a tad bit better. Swing and miss stuff is there. 10 punch outs per nine innings, 366 ERA. So you like what you're seeing there with Fott. His first start against the Texas Rangers did not go as playing now. Texas currently number two in the big leagues in terms of runs scored. He gave up seven runs in four and two-thirds innings. And if you ask me, he just should not have been left in the game quite that long. You take a look at what he was able to do at the minor league level, though, between double A and triple A, and he was pitching in the PCL, a juice ball league last season. A 383 ERA did give up right around home run and after nine innings. I think that a lot of that was just pitching in places like Albuquerque, Las Vegas, what have you, where it's super warm and at elevation, but 11 after eight cuts per nine innings does a very good job of being able to keep the walks down throughout his minor league career, right around two walks per nine innings. And I do think that he's going to be successful against the Miami Marlins team that they really don't have a ton of pop in the lineup. You've been able to have 
Ori Soler really ripped the cover off the ball, but a lot of his hard contact has just been right at guys as Soler, along Jazz Chislam, these guys have a combined 12 home runs, but these two guys are hitting right around a 225, and then top of that, you've got Gene Segura, Nick Fortes, Joey Wendell, you're just able to go down the list of guys and get 215 or lower. Luis Arias has been incredible, and they had him in a cleanup yesterday with one home run thus far this year, which I find to be hilarious, but he's hitting a 420. Why they don't have him hitting leadoff, I have no idea, but, I mean, apparently conventional baseball just went out the window. Yoli Gurriel has been able to get on base as well and for the years and the Diamondbacks. This team has been able to do an incredible job of getting on base at home. As a matter of fact, I believe that they've got the top home betting average among teams in the National League this far this season. Entering into yesterday, hitting at 288 as a collective. Not necessarily a ton of pop with regards to this lineup. The lone guy in the lineup yesterday with north of five home runs, Christian Walker, but Walker has been a man possessed recently. Eight home runs, 282 is what he was hitting entering into yesterday, but over the last 15 days, hitting at 356 with five bombs. So that has been terrific. Evan Longoria has been a little bit underachieving, but Geraldo Perdomo is hitting north of a 350 for this team right now. Gabriel Moreno is hitting about a 300. Corbin Carroll, 10 stolen bases. He's hitting above a 300. So, been able to have some good production there. And both of these bullpens, they've got trials and tribulations. As with the Arizona Diamondbacks, they blew a bunch of games against the Washington Nationals over the weekend as they bring in Miguel Castro, Andrew Chafin. These guys have been a little bit hit or miss. I do think that with the Diamondbacks bullpen is going to get a little bit better. I like Joe Mantiply, Kyle Nelson, since the beginning part of last season has provided a sub-275 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, 24th of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. A.J. Puck has been very reliable for this team, but you're currently dealing with an injury to J.P. Charcois. Dylan Floro, sub-2 ERA, but the advanced numbers show that there's going to be some regression there. Stephen Okert, after he had a relatively solid year last year with a sub-3 ERA, right around about a 3-5 ERA, but Matt Barnes, Uskar Brazobin have not necessarily been able to do their part as well. I do think that the Diamondbacks have a little bit of a better lineup in this spot. I do think that Fott actually matches up very well with the Miami Marlins. I set the Diamondbacks at a minus 118, so seeing between a lot of minus 110 to a minus 115, going to be willing to lay the small number. Semi-tail at an 8.7. I think the Miami Marlins offensive bowls continue. So looking at the under and the Diamondbacks. Money line 961-962 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals hit the road face off against the San Francisco Giants as Logan Webb goes for the Giants of Patrick Corbin is on the bump for Washington. Washington is anywhere between plus 192 to plus 205 underdogs. Anywhere between minus 221 to a minus 250 is your number on Washington. 8 is the total. Or is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is anywhere between even minus 110. I was willing to take plus 220 or greater with the Washington Nationals. If you're taking a look at this run line of the San Francisco Giants, finding it between minus 110 to a minus 115. I'm willing to go up to a minus 112. This is one that I'm going to be in a little bit more wait-and-see mode on because I do think that there's a good chance that we see a lot of money come in against Patrick Corbin because everyone thinks, oh, Patrick Corbin is the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life when, in reality, if you've bet every one of Patrick Corbin's starts thus far this season, you've actually made a little bit of money off of him. For Patrick Corbin, he's not a good pitcher. I'm not going to sell to you that Patrick Corbin is like the Mona Lisa Vito of pitching or anything like that, but you know what? 5170 RA. He's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the walks down. He's been giving up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. Strikeout numbers aren't great, and he has given up six home runs thus far this season. But pitching out there in Oracle Park, I do think it's going to be to his advantage. You're going up against a San Francisco Giants team that 
They've been able to slug out a little bit more than two home runs per game when they have been on the road thus far this season. But at home, it's been a little bit more of an issue for them. 21 home runs in 17 games entering into Monday, so that's been a little bit of an issue. Now, Therio Estrada has been absolutely terrific for this bunch, hitting a 346 with six home runs. So he's been able to do his part on top of that. J.D. Davis is hitting about a 285, seven home runs, but... You just take a look up and down the boulevard for the San Francisco Giants team, and you've got a lot of balanced power. As you've currently got, going into Monday, six different guys with at least five home runs. You've got nine different guys with at least four home runs, and your top guy is J.D. Davis with seven. So I think that when it's all said and done, you're not going to have a single guy with north of 30 home runs, but you have a lot of guys that are hovering right around that 20 to 25 range. Meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals, Power numbers are eluding them. The only guy with north of three home runs thus far this season is Jameer Candelario with four. 22 home runs in 34 games. That's the lowest mark in the National League. But you do have guys that are able to move the line. And for the Washington Nationals, they have the fewest strikeouts of any team in the National League right now. Joey Manessis, Luis Garcia, Lane Thomas, lying between about a 267 to a 277 victor. Robles has been able to provide right around about a 385 on base. And with both of these bullpens, they have been rather testy, but the Washington Nationals do provide a little bit of a better bullpen in this ordeal as Carl Edwards Jr., along with Mason Thompson, Hunter Harvey. These are guys who are able to give you a sub-3 ERA, and really outside of Camilio Duvall and Scott Alexander, a pair of guys that had a sub-3 ERA last season for the San Francisco Giants. Hard to have a lot of faith in a lot of these guys as they are currently dead last in the National League in terms of ERA, entered with a 589 going into yesterday as well. So it is a very strange circumstance in this one. I did set my total at 7.8 because I do think that with it being so pitcher-friendly and Logan Webb just always being able to deliver at home, you do have a little bit of value here because with Logan Webb, his home and road splits are very demonstrative. You go back to 2021, he had a sub-2 home ERA. His ERA on the road was right around 4 and overall for his career, he has had an ERA that is north of a point lower at home rather than on the road and his home home runs per nine rate that is less than a half a home run per nine innings surrendered as he's got a career ERA of a 295 at home compared to a 405 on the road with 12 home runs given up in two thir- 237 and two-thirds innings at home. So I did set my total at 7.8. I'm going to be looking at the under in this spot. And with the Giants, at current numbers, we'll be willing to lay the minus 110 on the run line, though. I'm waiting to see if we can get a big mono number with the Washington Nationals. Sign 63-964 on the betting board. The Cleveland Guardians play out to the Detroit Tigers. Michael Lorenzen goes for the Tigers. Shane Bieber is going for Cleveland. And Cleveland is between a minus 215 to a minus 220 favorite. And between plus 180 and plus 190, your number on Detroit, 7 and a half is the total. The over is between minus 110 to a minus 120. The under is any between minus 110 to even money. Seeing a plus 195 pop up on the Tigers and that is my buy point on Detroit. I needed at least a plus 185 to be able to get there on them and if you are taking a look at the run line of the Cleveland Guardians, you're laying a minus 105 which I mean, even if you're not able to get a plus 185, if you're able to get right around about a minus 112 to a minus 110 on the Detroit Tigers run line, getting a run and a half, that's something I'd be willing to look into as well because with the Cleveland Guardians, they just have not been able to supply any offense. Both of these teams are at the bottom of the American League in terms of home runs. Both of these teams are towards the bottom in terms of runs generated. But going into Monday, you have the Cleveland Guardians sitting at 224 as a collective. Last year, you had Andres... 
Jimenez, along with Ahmed Rosario, Oscar Gonzalez, Will Brandon, all hitting at least a 270. All these guys entered into Monday hitting a 218 or lower. Jose Ramirez is hitting about a 285. Steven Kwan is hitting about a 275. And that's it. And you don't have a single guy giving you north of three home runs. Meanwhile, for Detroit, all of a sudden, the bats have come alive for this team. Five plus runs in each other last four games and five plus runs in all but one game thus far this month. I believe that they have played eight in total. So that's been rather impressive. Now, this is still a relatively bad offense, but you've got Javi Baez, Riley Green, both hitting in that neighborhood about a 260. Eric Koss has been able to give you about a 340 on base, 275 average. Now you do have the likes of Kerry Carpenter, Jason Rogers, Jonathan Scope, Spencer Torkelson, all in at 225 or lower, but gotten four home runs apiece out of Gary Carpenter, Jason Rogers, along the Mayton and for the Detroit Tigers, the bullpen is not the same as it was last season. No longer do they have Gregory Soto, Michael Fulmer, Andrew Chafin, guys like this, but you know what? Jason Foley has been able to supply his sub-2 ERA. Alex Lang has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA as well. The long guys like Tyler Alexander and company have been terrible, but for the Cleveland Guardians, James Karinczak and Nick Sandlin, both of these guys, they've got north of a 4 ERA. You've been able to get some relatively good production out of the likes of Eli Morgan, Trevor Steven, Daniel De Los Santos, Emmanuel Classe, all sub-2 ERAs, but for Shane Bieber, I am very concerned about his advanced numbers because if you look at the raw numbers, 2-1 record, 296 ERA, he's given up in terms of walks per 9 innings, about 2.4. That's not too bad, but his strikeout numbers are way down. When he won the Cy Young Award during the 2020 campaign, he was right around 14 strikeouts per 9 innings. He's down to 5.9 this season. His fielding independent is a full point higher than his ERA. I do think that this could be a little bit of doomsday. Now, Michael Lorenzo just is not a good pitcher in general. On the flip side for the Detroit Tigers, he was trotted out there as a starter for the Angels last year. He had north of a 4 ERA. And as far as this season for Michael Lorenzo, 5-1-4 ERA. He's been giving up three walks per nine innings. And NC, the world's greatest swing and miss guy, does give up quite a bit of contact. But I mean, with... This Cleveland Guardians team trotting out there a guy in Shane Bieber that I'm not necessarily believing in his current form right now as well. I do think that this is a little bit too demonstrative of a line. Being able to get the plus 185 like I'm seeing, I'm willing to ride with a Detroit Tigers team that seems to be finding it a little bit more with the Rats. I'm willing to take them on the money line, seeing pretty much a 7.5 across the board in terms of my total. Set it at 7.6. I think that Bieber is going to be in for a little bit of regression, and I like the way that the Detroit Tigers have been slugging it out. So, going to be taking a look at the 7.5 over and taking a look at the Tigers plus price. Now we have the DK Nation right up pick 965-966 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays at the red face against the Baltimore Orioles. Grayson Rodriguez goes for the Orioles and Zach Eflin. Hopes to not be Eflin awful for the Tampa Bay Rays. Rays are anywhere between minus 120 to minus 134 favorites. Anywhere between plus 105 and plus 114. Your number on Baltimore. 8.5 is the total. Over is minus 120. The under is even. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I'm going to go against our good friend Peter as I know that he was talking about the under in the spot. I just have been so impressed by the Tampa Bay Rays lineup entering into yesterday. 7.15 runs per game on the road. Number one mark in all the big leagues, but Give me the team that is 29 and 6 this season. My DK Nation write a pick. That is going to be on the race money line. Zach Eflin has been pretty Eflin good this year. 31 strikeouts of three walks. He has made five starts. The Tampa Bay Rays, they are 5 0 in these starts. 225 ERA has looked just masterful. Meanwhile, for Grayson Rodriguez, I think he's going to be really good in about two years. With Rodriguez, he still has problems with command. 3.9 walks per nine innings. Now, the team has actually went 5 and 1 in his starts, but 
He has allowed four plus runs in three out of his last five starts. Has won five innings or fewer in all five of his last five starts. Swing and miss stuff is there. He's getting right around 12 strikeouts per nine innings, but the command has been a little bit of an issue. He's been getting a bit lit up with opponents sitting north of a 270 off of him. And when you go up against the Tampa Bay Rays, you go up against all these young odd hitters. As right now you had going into Monday, Wander Franco along with Yandy Diaz, Randy Arozarena, all these guys hitting at least a 299 with the Rosarena and Diaz giving you nine home runs. And then you got Franco, Harold Ramirez, Josh Lowe, all giving you six home runs, all hitting at least a 299. Isak Paredes has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line. Taylor Walls a 375 on base with five home runs. I mean, just top to bottom, this team is loaded. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, this team does a really good job of playing small balls. You got a pair of guys in Cedric Mullins along with Ode Mateo with a combined 23 stolen bases going to Monday. And two have guys that are able to get on base. Austin the Saves kid, right around a 295 batting average. Ryan McKenna, Ode Mateo entered into Monday, hitting above 300 for Mateo along with the stolen bases. Six home runs thus far this season. Ryan McCastle, eight bombs, hitting about a 250. And you've been able to see Cedric Mullins, Adam Frazier, both hit between about a 240 to 250, provide a relative good on base and both of these teams have good bullpens. Problem for the Baltimore Orioles is that this is one of the few bullpens that is better than theirs. The race entered into Monday. Number three in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. The Orioles number four and I do fear a little bit of regression coming in for the Orioles bullpen as you've had CNO Perez and Keegan Aiken post up north of a four ERA this far this season. You've had Yanir Cano actually be one of the best relievers in all baseball as far as the season. I don't know how long he's going to be able to keep that up. Meanwhile, the Tampa Bay Rays have thrown their bullpen for more than 10 more innings than any other team in baseball. And you've got the third best CRAs. You've got just so many guys like Colin Boucher, along with Ryan Thompson. Chase Anderson has been good for this team. Zach Purdy, you just go down the list and all these guys are delivering. Garrett Clevenger, when he's been out there, has been able to supply a three ERAS. He's probably going to be dealing with a little bit of an injury, so that's a little bit of an issue for this team. But by and large, every single guy that they put into this bullpen, it has been tremendous for them. And I do think that the Orioles, they're going to be able to scratch across a few runs here against Eflin and that bullpen. But at the same time, I do think that the Rays, they get to Rodriguez. DK and right a pick. That is going to be on the Rays' money line. And did something I tell it in 8.8. So also taking a look at this total over 967, 968 on the betting board. The Oakland A's at the road face off against the New York Yankees. Clark Schmidt goes for the Yankees. Drew Rosinski is on the bump for Oakland with 9 being the total over and under. Anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Between minus 215 to a minus 225. Your number on the Yankees. And anywhere between plus 185 to a plus 195 is your number on the Oakland A's. The big question is what is the run line number? And I'd say we're doing minus 105 to a minus 110 with the Yankees was willing to lay up to a minus 122. So that's what we're taking a look at as for the Oakland A's. They entered in a series with a 725 team ERA. Even though the Yankees stink at the plate right now with the only injury to Aaron Judge coupled with also John Carlos saying this team can still hit these guys. And they showed that on Monday as they've got Harrison Bader back the full edge. I mean, ever since Bader has been back, he's been hitting north of 350 for the team. Anthony Rizzo, DJ Turner, Elpa Mayhew, both of these guys are now hitting north of a 275. And Jack Labor Torres, who seems to be finding that form they had towards the beginning part of the season 
this year as he's been able to give the team now five home runs, one TPS right now. Guys like Anthony Volpe, Jose Trevino, Aaron X, as well as Cabrera hitting at 220 or lower. Still a little bit of an issue. And for the Oakland A's, they are able to put bad to ball as they entered into Monday with a road team batting average that's hovering right around about at 247. As Brett Rooker, Shea Langolaris, they've been able to combine for 12 home runs on the road in their first 17 games of the season. So, I mean, this has been beneficial for the team. Still have dead bats like Tony Kemp, Elamendi Diaz, Kevin Smith, Jace Peterson. These guys hitting at 220 or lower. But you know what? They've shown a little bit of life at the plate. You just have absolutely no bullpen whatsoever with this Oakland A's team. They enter with a bullpen ERA by 670. And Drew Rosinski, I mean, he was awesome in the KBO. Here at the big league level, it's a big reason why he decided that he was going to be going to uh, South Korea rather than pitching in the big leagues. As first two starts, he has given up a combined 10 runs across nine and a third innings, two of which were unearned, but command has not been there. He's not getting any swings and misses, and he has to go up against someone in Clark Schmidt that, I mean, he has not been great this year either, but has pitched significantly better at home rather than on the road the last two seasons. Last year, 249 home ERA compared to a 362 ERA on the road. This year, 371 home ERA, nearly a 9 ERA on the road. He has given up five home runs in 17 innings when he has been at home thus far this season, and He's allowing opponents to hit a 320 off of him. I think that he's just been a little bit unlucky on balls and playing for the Oakland A's. I do think that they're going to be able to scratch across a few runs at the same time. I do think that the Yankees are going to light up Rosinski hard. And for the Yankees, by the way, what has really been big for them, number one in terms of bullpen area, I see a little bit of regression here. As I don't know how long guys like Albert Abreu, Ian Hamilton, Michael King, Wandy Peralta, Ron Medanacchio can maintain their sub-3 ERAs. I still think that they're solid, but I do think that the A's scratch across a few runs themselves. So, somebody told at 9.2, looking at the over, and looking at the Yankees on the run line. 969-970 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals play OC Chicago White Sox. Lucas Chilito goes for the Sox, and Jordan Lyles is on the bump for Kansas City. 9-9.5 is your total on the 9. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9.5. The under is minus 120. And the over is even with the uh, Chicago White Sox. Find them any between minus 145 to uh, minus 155 favorites. Any between plus 125 and plus 135 is your number on the Kansas City Royals. And with the Royals, I need at least a plus 164 to take a shot on them. Lucas Giolito has actually been the best starter for the Chicago White Sox this season. You thought that that was going to be Dylan Cease, but Cease allowed four plus runs again yesterday. But for Lucas Giolito, you take a look at what he's been able to do in his last five starts. Two runs of fear surrendered in four of them. He's been able to do a rock-solid job on the road the last few seasons as well. as This season, he hasn't shown that quite as much. He's currently got a 561 road ERA compared to a buck 37 ERA at home. I do think that this is going to even out just a little bit, though, as Chilito has been able to do an okay job of not allowing hard contact. Five home runs in 41 and two-thirds innings, and what has always plagued him is walks, and he's only given up about two walks per nine innings. Meanwhile, Jordan Lyles, this guy is just a walking home run. I mean... He has given up 11 home runs in 40 and 3rd innings thus far this season. When he has not pitched in Baltimore the last three years, he is giving up north of two home runs per nine innings. 6.69 ERA thus far this season. And for the Chicago White Sox, 
it feels like that 11 spot that they put up in the second inning against the Reds was able to ignite this team as all of a sudden you've got guys who are able to move the line for the Chicago White Sox as Answer Alberto, Gavin Sheets, Yasmani Grandal, Tim Anderson, Andrew Benatendi. All these guys are in between about a 262 270. They've gotten a little bit of something out of Adam Helsley. He's the young outfielder for the team as currently hitting above a 300. Not a lot of power on the team as Jake Berger, along with Luis Robert, currently leading the way with seven home runs, but they are able to get on base. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, this team has actually scored four plus runs in all but two out of their last nine games. I just think that they're, we're going to see some regression with them as you have Vinny Pescutino, Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, both between six and seven home runs, and Pescutino and Perez both are hitting above a 270 for this bunch, but still have a lot of guys that are leaving a lot to be desired. Jackie Bradley Jr. was solid yesterday, but he, MJ Melendez, Michael Massey, Franmil Reyes, Kyle Isabel, Nicky Lopez, all these guys are still hitting at 220 or lower, and you still have two ghastly bad bullpens for both of these teams as well. And with the Kansas City Royals, Scott Barlow is posting up north of a 5 area. Josh Shamon is looking to come back from injury. You've had Roll to Shaman be relatively solid, but and that's about it. Taylor Clark has seen his ERA get jacked all the way up to about a 475. Royals are 27th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, 29th for the Chicago White Sox. As for the White Sox, I mean, really, other than Gregory Santos along Kena Middleton, a pair of guys that have supplied a sub-3 ERA, nobody's performing for the team. Aaron Bummer, Alex Colome, Kendall Graveman, you just go down the list of guys with north of a 5 ERA. It has been rather terrible, but I do think that we are going to see a little bit of regression with regards to this Royals lineup. I do think that Lucas Giolito is going to be able to supply a good start. Did semi total at a 9.4. The only 9 that I'm seeing is at DraftKings. I would personally rather have a 9 over rather than a 9.5 under. As I do this podcast, so I'll have access to it as a 9.5. So I'm going to take a 9.5 under semi total at a 9.4. And with the White Sox, is that the minus 164 on the money line? If you're looking at the run line that is between a plus 105 to a plus 110. I was willing to take pretty much a minus 102 or better, so I'm going to be looking at that White Sox run line to go along with the 9.5 under. 971, 972 on the betting board. The LA Angels play OC Houston Astros. From Valdez goes for the Astros and Shoyotani is on the bump for the Angels. 7.5 is your total. The under is any between even money and minus 115. The over is any between minus 105 to a minus 120. With the Angels, they're any between minus 130 to minus 140 favorites. Between plus 110 to plus 120 is your number on Houston. And I set the Angels at a minus 136. So I'm going to be one to take them with Shoyotani. He has been absolutely amazing thus far this season, both at the plate and on the mound. As for Shoei Otani, it's been really a expose in just being able to get strikeouts. Now, for Shoei Otani, he needs to cut down on the walks. He's been giving out right around four walks per nine innings, but 59 strikeouts in 39 innings thus far this season. 254 ERA, giving up less than a home run per nine innings. So, he has been absolutely terrific for this bunch. And you just take a look at what he's been able to do at home. 225 home ERA with opponents sitting at 0.95 off of him. Meanwhile, for Framber Valdez, he's actually done his best work on the road last few seasons. On the road, he's got a sub-250 ERA over the last few seasons and has been able to do a very good job of just being able to keep the ball in the yard in general. Last year, his home runs per nine rate was right around about a half thus far this season. He has given up about 0.8-ish home runs per nine innings. So, does a good job with regards to soft contact and he's really shaped up in terms of the walks. Last year, north of three walks per nine innings as far this season, two walks per nine innings and the Astros, they back him up with one of the best bullpens in the big leagues. Last year, they were number one in the league in terms of bullpen ERA and right now you've got 
a lot of guys that would be able to supply good innings for the team as Hector Neris, Phil Mayton, Brian Presley. These guys have a sub-350 ERA. The Houston Astros going into the series, they rank currently in terms of bullpen ERA right in the neighborhood about sixth. You've got an Angels team that is ninth, but if you take a look at their expected fielding independent, if you take a look at the advanced numbers, there should be a massive regression coming in for the team as I do like Matt Moore. He's been able to give the team a sub-2 ERA thus far this season, but Chase Silseth, Ryan DePera, Chris Savinsky, these are guys that I don't have any faith in whatsoever. They've got all north of Fort ERA. Andrew Wants has been good for the team, but now they're kicking the tires on Cesar Valdez. He's like 38 years old. He is completely ancient. And for the Yellow Angels, you do have a lineup that should be able to supply a lot of power. As you've obviously got the aforementioned Joy Otani. He, Mike Trout, Hunter Renfro all entered into Monday between 7 and 8 home runs with Trout, Otani, along with Anthony Rendon, Matt Theus, Gio Urshela. All these guys hitting at least a 290 and I do think that for the Houston Astros, they are going to have a tough time catching up to Shoyo Otani as you've had Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker both be able to do a good job moving the line inning between about a 275 to 280 between 6 and 7 home runs apiece for them, but have a lot of non-power bats in the lineup as Martin Maldonado along with Mauricio Duvon along with David Hensley. I think that Maldonado is the only guy that has cranked out a single home run thus far this season. They get back Chas McCormick but still dealing with Jose Altuve along with Michael Brantley being injured. I do think that Shoei Otani going to be able to show his dominance and what I think is going to be a relatively low scoring game. Somebody told us 7.3 I think that Framber Valdez does a solid job against these Angels bats but I think that Otani outdoors Framber Valdez. So we'll take the Angels on the money line to go along with this total under 973, 970 on the betting board, the Walker Texas Rangers hit the road to face off against the Seattle Mariners. George Kirby goes for Seattle, and Andrew Heaney is on the bump for Texas. 7.5 to 8 is your total. On the 8, under is between minus 122 and minus 125. Over is between even a plus 105 on the 7.5. Over and under, both at minus 110. With the Seattle Mariners, you're getting them between minus 158 to a minus 165. Between plus 134 and plus 145 is your number on Texas. With the Rangers, you need at least a plus 138 to be able to take a shot on them. And I am going to be willing to. Now, with Andrew Heaney, he's a little bit of an all-or-nothing starter. A 5.52 ERA thus far this season giving up seven home runs in 29 innings. And the reason why he is all or nothing is because he does give up those deep ball sets. For Andrew Heaney, he's already had a trio of starts this year in which he's given up two runs or fewer in his other three starts. He has given up three, six, and seven runs. It's just all based on whether or not he's able to keep the ball in the yard. I do think that he's going to be able to have success here going up against a Seattle Mariners team that entered into Monday 28th in the league in terms of batting average and a bunch that they just don't really supply a lot of home runs at home. It's hard to be able to crank one out during the nighttime in Seattle as you've had Julio Rodriguez and Oscar Hernandez combined for 13 home runs as far as the season, but both of these guys combined it hit about a 222 to a 223. You just got a lot of that with the team. AJ Pollock, Tommy Lucella, Tom Murphy, Colton Wong, Sam Haggerty, all these guys running a 215 or lower. And you need to Suarez is able to give you about a 330 on base. JP Crawford has been able to move the line. And Jared Kelnick entered into Monday, seven home runs, hitting about a 300, but that's been awful. But for the Seattle Mariners, what has really been their saving grace, they entered into Monday, number two in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, even with Andres Munoz being a little bit banged up. Matt Brash has not necessarily been himself, but I have to wonder how sustainable this is. As you've got Taylor Saucedo, Gabe Spear, Justin Dopa, all providing a sub-two ERA 
Trevor God all of a sudden has been able to give you a 208 ERA. I just don't think that they're going to be able to maintain this. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, you've got Jose LeClerc, Brock Burke, Jonathan Hernandez, all guys that had a sub-3 ERA last season. Hernandez up to more like a 350 thus far this season as Rangers. They're right around league average in terms of bullpen ERA, but I do think that they are going to be able to do a solid job in this ordeal against that offense. And with the Texas Rangers, they're currently number two in the big leagues in terms of runs per game as they've got so many guys that are supplying so much boom, even with Corey Seager being out of the fold. You've got a lot of guys that are able to move the line, and on top of moving the line, able to go deep. Adelise Garcia, Josh Young entered into Monday with a combined 17 home runs. Both of these guys hitting right around about a 260. Jonah Heim hitting above 306 home runs thus far this season, as you've also had Ezekiel Duran hitting above 300. Mitch Garver has been able to give you a 365 on base. So I really like all these pieces. And for George Kirby, you know that he's not going to walk anyone. A career about 1.4 walks per nine innings. Has given up, though, just two home runs in 37 and two-thirds innings. And his strikeouts per nine rate, it's currently right around seven. Just looking at this, I do think that he's doing for a little bit more bad luck on balls in play. I do think that the Texas Rangers are going to be able to catch up to him in this spot. So it is a circumstance where I set my total at 7.8. Personally, I would rather have a 7.5 over rather than an 8 under. Right now, all I've got access to is 8. The 7.5 that I'm seeing is at DraftKings. So I shall see if I'm able to get a 7.5. But at current numbers, we'll be looking at the 8 under. But at a plus 139 or greater, also taking a look at the Rangers on the money line. 975-976 on the betting board. The Philadelphia Phillies playoffs to the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa goes for the Jays. And Aaron Supernola is on the bump for the Phillies. Phillies are between minus 130 to a minus 144 favorite between plus 110 and plus 124. Your number on Toronto, 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. Over is minus 115. The under, it is minus 105. And with regards to my total, I set it at an 8.4. Once again, only 8 that I'm seeing is at DraftKings. All I've got access to is an 8.5. So, going to be taking a look at the 8.5 under, but with the Phillies, I could only set them as a minus 114 favorite. I'm going to be willing to take the plus price on the Toronto Blue Jays. And this is knowing full well that Alec Manoa, even going back all the way to spring training, he did not necessarily look fully like himself. That is a little bit of an issue and a caution that you do have with this one. But it's hard to say that Aaron Nola really looks like himself as well. He has given up three plus runs and now four out of his last five starts and five starts in total thus far this season. He's not even necessarily given up the deep ball. He's given up two walks per nine innings. He's given up five home runs in 42 and two-thirds innings, but strikeout numbers are way down with him as well. Right around seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. Alec Manoa, he's sitting more around eight punch outs per nine innings. He too, five home runs in 36 out of third innings, 471 ERA. It's just a parallel of two pitchers that are very equal, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, outside of Jose Alvarado, along with Andrew Vasquez, who has been very good, this bullpen has been far from terrific, to say the least. As you got a Phillies bullpen that currently ranks 26th in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Not to say that the Blue Jays have been amazing, but they're sitting right around 379. Amy Garcia, Anthony Bass have not been good for them, but Jordan Romano is still a quality closer. You've got Jay Jackson, who comes back from the MPB. He's actually looked relatively solid. And Tim Meza, he has actually been a very underrated reliever, a sub-1 ERA. And then with the Toronto Blue Jays, you know that you're going to be able to get offense out of this team as you've got a trio of guys, Boba Schiff, Liguero Jr., Matt Chapman, that have all been able to hit at least a 315 for this team. With Chapman, he's been able to still got five home runs, seven apiece for Guerrero and Bichette. And he's, this team has 40 home runs in 35 games thus far this season. 
in my opinion, I think that that is going to be going up, and that's going to be going up in a big way. This team is not going to be league average when it comes to home runs when it's all said and done, but you do have what Merrifield now showing what he showed when he was with the Royals for all those years, hitting about a 290. You've had rough starts of the season for the likes of Brandon Bell, George Springer, Santiago Espinal, hitting a 225 or lower. I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, it's been a case where they've been able to get on base. They haven't necessarily slugged out a lot of power. Kyle Schwarber, eight home runs this far this season, only guy in the roster with north of four home runs. Getting back Bryce Harper is absolutely massive for the team as it is games back, five in total, sitting at 368, so you'd love to see that. And then you got Brandon Marsh, Nick Cassiano, Somando Sosa hitting above a three-runner, JT Riumito, along with Bryson Sauter, both hitting between about a 280 to a 295, so you love what these guys are able to do. And Trey Turner, only hitting about a 265. I expect that to go a little bit northward, but with the Blue Jays, I think that you've got just too much lethality with regards to this offense. And for the Phillies, not a lot of faith in the bullpen. Did something total in an eight and a half. I do think that Manoa and... Also, Aaron Nola, they're going to find a little bit more of their good stuff in this one. So, looking at that 8.5 under, and I'm looking at the Blue Jays, plus 115 or greater on the money line. 977, 978 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox at the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton goes for the Bravos, and Nick Pavetta is on the bump for Boston. 9.5 is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 120. Over is between even a minus 110. And with the 9, I'm seeing a few of those out there as well. Over is minus 120, and the under is even. With Atlanta, they're between minus 170 and minus 185. Favorites between plus 145 and plus 163 is your number on Boston. With Boston, I was willing to take a plus 158 or greater. Seeing plus 160 or higher, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Red Sox. For Nick Pavetta, ever since he's arrived at Boston, his ERA has been about a half a point better when he's been on the road rather than at home. At Fenway, he just gives up a lot of deep balls. He's made just two road starts thus far this season, but three runs allowed and 10 in the third innings, giving up one home run, 630 home ERA. So he has been significantly better on the road thus far this season. And for Charlie Morton, he pitches much better in Atlanta than he does on the road. Last season, he had a road ERA that was right around 572, 305 ERA at home. And this year, his ERA has been more than a point and a half better at home rather than on the road. For Morton, big thing with him, the walks. Giving up nearly four walks per nine innings. When you miss stuff, seems to be diminishing a little bit. He's 39 years old. You expect to see that. He's down to about eight and a half punch outs per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Nick Pavetta, more around 10 strikeouts per nine innings. And for Boston, this has been really the best over team in all of baseball this far this season. And there's no reason to think that they're going to be slipping up too much. As I did set my total on 9.7, even on a nine and a half. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this ordeal. It's Rafael Devers. It's not necessarily up for the world's greatest average, but he's been able to give the team 11 home runs thus far this season. And you've got Masataka Yoshida along with Reese McGuire. Throwing there, Justin Turner, Alex Verdugo. I'll give you at least a 355 on base. Jaron Duran, since he's resurfaced at the big league level, he's hitting a 366. This is just a locked and loaded, really good lineup that is backed up by a bullpen that if you take a look at the ERA numbers thus far this season, it's honestly not too bad. The Boston Red Sox are eighth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. The Atlanta Braves are 13th. Tell you right now, this Red Sox team is not going to be eighth in bullpen ERA when it's all said and done. Yeah, Zach Liddell, Brandon Bernardino pitching above their heads right now. Ryan Brazier along with Richard Blyer. They both have north of a five ERA. I do like John Schreiber in this bullpen, but this is a bullpen that in general I do think is going to be slipping up sooner rather than later. And for the Atlanta Braves, they now have Rossi Iglesias off the injured list. Veterans in Jesse Chavez, Kirby Yates have been very testy to say the least. 
thus far this season. Dylan Lee, though, has been able to do a solid job along Joe Jimenez. I like both of these guys. I think that they're going to be big cogs moving forward for Jimenez right around four ERA. I do think that that is going to be improving a little bit. Michael Tonkin has been able to prove to be a good long guy. Meanwhile, for the Atlanta Braves, they led the National League in terms of home runs last season and got so many guys something right now. Ronald Acuna Jr., about a uh, 430 on base. Sean Murphy has been amazing. He's hitting about a 280. Nine home runs at 103 at-bats this far this season. Ozzy Albies, nine home runs at more like 140 at-bats. Both of these guys hitting right around about a 280 for Austin Riley. He has been able to do a better job recently as he's only got about a 330 on base. It's been very touch and go with him thus far this season, but I do think that he is going to be picking it up sooner rather than later. And when it comes to also having out there someone like Matt Olson, who's been able to give you 10 home runs, that's big for this bunch as well. So I do take a look at this total, and I think that you're going to get plenty of runs for both of these teams. I like it over. And with the Boston Red Sox, plus 158 or higher, I want to take them on the money line. We're going to wrap things up with 979. 980 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins as Michael Walker goes for the pods, and Louis Varlin is on the bump. For Minnesota, Minnesota is between a minus 110 to a minus 117 favorite. Anywhere between even money and plus 107, your number on San Diego. Nine is the total. The under is between minus 110 to a minus 115. Over is between minus 105 to a minus 110. And with the Twins, I set them as a plus 108 underdog. Being able to get plus money on the Padres, I'm going to be willing to ride with them. For Michael Walker, he's got a 546 ERA, but his fielding independent is more than a point and a half lower as He's been solid in terms of not giving up a lot of walks, right around about 2.6 walks per nine innings. He's been getting a little bit under eight punch outs per nine innings. The hard contact has been a little bit rough, but coming off of six scoreless innings against the Cincinnati Reds, grand that was at home, and where Michael Waka, I do expect him to be actually a better home pitcher than a road pitcher. Right now, he's got a 40 ERA on the road compared to a 606 ERA at home, but I do think that overall, for Waka pitching in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark like Minnesota, that's going to bode well for him. Meanwhile, for Louis Varlin, I just don't think that we're going to be able to get a ton out of him. 14 strikeouts in 10 and two-thirds innings thus far this season is nice, but he's also given up four home runs thus far this season as well. Now, I don't think that Louis Varlin is going to be ending the year giving up north of two and a half home runs per nine innings, but you take a look at what he did at the minor league level, and it left me semi-underpressed. The three... 08 ERA. I mean, that's not too bad, but gave up three walks per nine innings, a little bit over home run per nine, and he pitched in much more of a pitcher-friendly league out there at AA and AAA last season, whereas in the PCL, that is very much a juice ball league, and for the Twins, not like they back him up with the world's greatest bullpen. Now, neither of these teams are necessarily amazing with their bullpen, as for the San Diego Padres, they're currently 19th in the big leagues in terms of ERA. The Minnesota Twins, they are 11th out. The good news for the Twins is that they get Oriel Cala back in the fold. He, along with Ori Lopez, and also Yohan Duran. These are guys you're able to rely upon as Alcala in a relatively small sample size thus far this season. It's been a little bit up and down a career, about 350 ERA, so I think that that's much better than having out there, oh, I don't know, someone like an Emilio Pagan, but that said, you take a look at the San Diego Padres and you've got the best single closer in this game in Josh Hader. Meanwhile, the likes of Domingo Tapia, Stephen Wilson trying to get him the ball, that could be a little bit rough. And for the Padres, if you take out the games that they have played in Mexico City, they are a bottom five team in terms of both runs per game and batting average, but I do think that they are going to be able to pick it up. Xander Bogarts has been incredible, 375 on base, six home runs thus far this season, and 
He's got a lot of guys on this roster. They're just stuck between four and five home runs this season, along with three. You've got eight different guys between three and five. Juan Soto just has not been able to find it this year. He's sitting at 220. The 381 on base is nice, but need him to just be able to put the ball in play a little bit more. But it feels like Manny Machado is really starting to be able to pick it up. Hitting for the year about a 250 with four home runs, but three of those home runs have come in the last 15 days. He's hitting above a 300 in that time span. That has been nice to see. Awesome Kim, Matt Carpenter, these guys have been a little bit rough, but Nelson Cruz has been able to move the line as well. And it's not like this Minnesota Twins team is doing an amazing job of getting on base. 220 is what they're hitting as a collective. That's a bottom three mark in the big leagues as Carlos Correa has been nowhere to be found thus far this season as he, Trevor Larnich, along with Max Kepler, Eduardo Julian, Joey Gallo, all these guys are hitting at 224 or lower. Kyle Farmer has been quite banged up thus far this season. Byron Buxton, he's now providing about a 340 on base. Eight home runs. His power numbers have come back. And you've had Ori Palunco since he's come back in the last 15 games be able to hit about a 280. But I do think that for the Padres, they're going to be able to get a little bit of better performance out of Michael Walker. And I do think that this Padres offense is going to be beginning to pick it up. So it's a spot where I did set my total at 8.6 at a 9. I'm going to be willing to take a look at the under. And I'm willing to take the plus price with the San Diego Padres. And that will wrap things up. For the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family and Podcast. If you do like sharing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you're your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Junior underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters Sam. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Bye that five-star review. Coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.